Playoff time is when things start getting serious on the court. Players are more driven than ever to win these big games and keep advancing. Goodyear knows all about being more driven, too. Working hard to help you advance on and off the road. Let Goodyear.com help you choose what's best. About time, Wendy. Jesus. <laughs> Boy, you sound you sound great, McMahon. I know. I don't know what the hell's going on. I got right, something uh, in my I got something in my throat like <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Hoop Collective. It's Thursday week. Still week one of the playoffs, I guess. We've got uh, an array of playoff reporting coming your way in Washington, D.C., covering the Raptors-Wizards series. Still in Toronto, Brian. Still in Toronto. Still in Toronto. You know he was going to milk every last minute he could get up in that city. Yeah, but the weather's been horrible. He was looking forward to it so much. I had um, we had dinner the day before he left. He was looks he was so looking forward to going to Toronto. Andrew the Han was at that dinner as well. We were very he was very excited and it's been nothing but sleet, <laughs> sideways, pale. What it, else? It, is it the roof collapsed a, at the Sky Dome. It has been an affront to civilization. But I've eaten well. <laughs> Oops, I accidentally muted. And, uh, <laughs> it's, it's Kevin Arnovitz, you have to say. You, you can't just describe Toronto eating well and then move on. Kevin Arnovitz, uh, in Toronto, soon to Washington, D.C.? Yes, 5.20 p.m. Oh, wow, you really milked every last second of the Raptors up there. Although I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be going to, I wouldn't be all that excited to, to, uh, get to Washington right now either. Um, in Los Angeles, it's, uh, Andrew Hahn spinning dials. Hi, hi, hi. Clicking, clicking tabs and checking boxes more accurately. And in Houston, where he presided over James Harden's two of 18 shooting performance last night, it's Ban McMahon. Howdy, partners. You, you sound like you're in the third round of the playoffs with that voice, McMahon. I'm a little worried about you. You know, I have no idea what happened. I just woke up like this yesterday, but uh, I don't know. Off day today, day to recover, get back to being myself. I sent McMahon a very important text last night. Um, I noticed that James Harden had uh, cupping... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if the scars isn't the word. Cupping marks, marks on his shoulders. Last night, I've never noticed uh, that James Harden had do had done cupping before, and I want to know if it has something to do with his two for eighteen shooting performance. McMahon, answer. <laughs> I, I didn't get to the bottom of that. Um, <laughs> like like I told you though, when I was growing up. Cups were just for your cojones, and so I don't know about the <laughs> thing. So. Well, Stephen Adams um, 
had some cupping marks on his arms. He's been doing it for a while, and he fouled out uh, last night. So I don't know. Maybe it's time to lay off the cups. Um, no doubt. Well, when he fouled out, at least Rudy Gobert was kind enough to point him toward the exit. <laughs> I didn't see that. Oh yeah, unemphatic. Oh, oh, and he took the exit too because he just went. He 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 didn't just foul out. He excused himself to the locker room. He just immediately stomped <laughs> off the court because the the sixth foul was um, it was probably a foul, but it was a rough way to go out. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but uh, McMahon, that series, I'm not surprised the Rockets are up two uh, zero, but. Um, the Wolves getting 0.0 out of Carl Towns. He scored oh, less than um, scored less than 10 points both games. I think only one guy in their starting lineup scored over 10 points last night, and that was Andrew Wiggins, who didn't previously have a reputation of being the most stout guy in those moments. Um, very disappointing showing for the Wolves, even though I'm not surprised at the, at the 2-0. Yeah, Butler's also pretty much no showed, and you know he's got a wrist thing that you know tips. Like, he, he's fine. He's fine. Uh, in addition to the knee that he was coming off, but Towns, it's the seeing the up close the passive aggressive little dance between Towns and Tibbs is pretty fascinating. Twice wow. now, after both these games, in which Towns got only nine shots in each game, Tibbs has called him out for not playing with enough energy. Need more energy. Need him to run the floor. Need him to repose. Need him to, uh, you know, sprint in the half court, et cetera, et cetera. And Towns, game plan is his favorite term. I swear he says game plan uh, at least ten times per availability. Yeah, he definitely um, said after game one, I was just following the game plan. Yeah, I mean, he said it once yesterday, like five times in a three-sentence answer. Um, and, you know, last night he's talking about ain't no time for negativity, only time for positivity. You know, can't be frustrated. Da, da, da. Dude, this guy, I mean, for the kind of talent that he is, it's embarrassing how he's just a, a complete non-factor and just kind of coasts through this thing and by the way you know look the rockets are doubling him obviously he's, he's a focal point but in, on some of these occasions like when he switched uh when harden or, or pj tucker switch on to him they just bully him i mean they just bully him off the block and on others he'll you know i guess is the game plan go stand on the corner with your finger in your nose and then <laughs> clint capella is just out you know just completely dominating them just running them up and down the floor killing them on the glass I mean, if you watch this series and, and you said, hey, one of these bigs is, is one of the uh, rising superstars in the league, you say, yeah, that Capella kid's amazing. <laughs> right. Well, I don't think it's a very well-kept secret that Towns and Tibbs aren't exactly buddies. Right. Um, and that'll be interesting to see how that plays out going forward. Um, you know, the, the Wolves came in on such a high, winning the last game of the season to get in. But really um, – the second half of the season was a pretty big disappointment for them, um, slipping from three to eight. Obviously, we know is because you know Butler got hurt, but it right. still was disappointing. Um, so last night I thought was interesting. Uh, the real difference between the Rockets year over year, uh, Harden goes two of eighteen is just horrible. Yeah, and the Rockets win by twenty. Now, granted, they weren't playing the '86 Celtics, but uh, and they were home. But Chris Paul, who was not great in Game One when Harden was great. Um, Chris Paul has a phenomenal game. 
uh, vintage Chris Paul uh, playoff game. And that's the difference, right? You have the backup gunner that you can go to. I mean, there were a bunch of reasons why the Rockets were better, but, you know, a year ago, James Harden goes two for eight in a playoff game. The Rockets are not winning. Yeah, two. I mean, the guy had more steals and blocks than he had buckets. He's two of 18. Last guy to go two of 18 in a, play, in a playoff game was LeBron in 2008. Um, <clears throat> but you're right. For, I mean, game one, Harden just took over, carried him when nobody else was hitting shots. He, he had 44. Uh, CP3 had six turnovers, tying the most for his uh, career in a playoff game. And then last night, Harden couldn't buy one. CP3 took over. But look, the Rockets haven't shot the ball well at all. Last night, they, they shot in the 30s, and they blew the Timberwolves out by 20. So you, you not only have that extra uh, Hall of Fame playmaker, you know, so far they've taken turns in, in, in games, but the Rockets legitimately are a really good defensive team. So they don't necessarily have to shoot well to win playoff games. I like that this new gravelly voice. I like this new gravelly voice, McMahon. It's very uh, manly. I hope it. What, what are, you, are you saying? My normal Texas twang is not. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm. Oh no, I'm just saying this is just a new. It's like Joel Myers level. <laughs> no, exactly. Like like Lester Munson, the old voice of the the Georgia Bulldogs. Oh lordy, I, I like it. <laughs> Stick with it, McMahon. Start gargling you the know, gravel. I mean, I, I think you know the, the thing with Houston is, and I don't know. I mean, it's been given a, a bit of attention, but look, I, I think there was no doubt they were going to score this season and this postseason and they'll they'll have they have had a couple of cold shooting nights but you know but the question has always been could they be a top five a top 10 defense Mm -hmm. with this personnel and and, you know chris paul's certainly going to help and capella just learning all the sort of dark arts of big man you know not just the you know garden pick and roll but as the back line help etc etc i mean we knew they'd pick up pj tucker uh luke babute who's hurt this series but they they did a nice job of adding defensive personnel but as a scheme could it work and I mean, I, you know, then they do this thing this off season. Uh, we're, we're just going to basically we're, we're going to design a defense for Golden State, and, and to hell with the other twenty eight teams. You know, they are like sized players. We're going to create a switch defense. Yeah, there's some awkward ones, CP and Clint Capella, and we'll protect that certain combinations. But we're going to become a defensive team like that, even though, uh, yeah, our personnel is okay, maybe suited to it. But it was a roll of the dice, and Jeff Bizdelic kind of comes up mm-hmm. with the scheme, and and it's worked. And it's worked beautifully, and they are legitimately a good. You would never cite the defense in the context you would a, a, an 06 Suns team, which, by the way, were never as bad as people thought. But right. this is an actual calling card. They can win games against good offensive teams, and statistically speaking, the Minnesota Timberwolves, at least you know over the course of a season, are a good offensive team. Like until the lights get bright in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I mean. But they can win games with their defense. I mean, they can, again, on a night, as you say, two for 18. You know, they don't get a hell of a lot. They get to the line 21 times, you know, break even there with Minnesota. But but they're capable of scheming, of throwing different combinations out there. Um, you know, Nene, whatever, what he's lost in mobility, he makes up for in smarts. Tucker is just so all-purpose, such an important. Like, yeah. you can't run a defense. He, he's the Draymond in that defense. And, and, no doubt. And you can't do that without that guy at the four. You know, yeah, and that's why, yeah. that's why Tucker, uh, you know, Dan Tony was lobbying pretty hard for Tucker to be uh, an all-defense guy because he, he is definitely the guy who uh, makes it go in the starting lineup. And like I said, Mbob Mute's out. But Mbob Mute uh, is tremendously valuable. It's kind of that all-purpose 
uh, defensive guy. And, and, you know, Daniel Reeves has kind of been the lone wolf defensively for him for a few years. But with those three guys, those are really kind of the guys who, who make this thing go. So let me pivot. The the difference there, there, you know, year over year with the Rockets is some better supporting players and, you know, obviously getting Chris Paul. Let's pivot to what happened in Cleveland last night. Um, LeBron played arguably, it's hard to say this about a first round game because his resume is so, you know, phenomenal. He played uh, a top 10 playoff game for him last night, give or take. I mean, I don't know, maybe 15. Uh, 46 points, um, 12 rebounds, 17 of 24, I believe, from the floor. Um, and they needed every single one of them. I think, you know, they, they scored 100. Yeah. He scored 46 of them. I think they had, I don't have the box score right in front of me. I think they had 22 free throws. He had 13 of them. I think they had 30 rebounds. He had 12 of them. Um, their role players gave him next to nothing. Uh, Kyle Korver had a good game. Yeah. Uh, love. Turned his ankle and sprained his thumb, and he's only shooting 33% in the two games. George Hill, um, I don't know what happened to George Hill, uh, McMahon. Um, he got paid. <laughs> because George Hill, okay, you know, I, he's older now, and I know he's gone through some injuries, but he was always a badass. And, you know, okay, maybe a certain, you know, stretch he's not feeling great. I mean, am I wrong? I mean, he was. He in was always a dog. You, yeah, being a competitor. I mean, a dog in uh, when Indiana. I thought um, certainly in just, San Antonio. Yeah, but I mean, you know, he grew up in Indiana, and um, you know, he didn't always have the best games, but he was always super duper just into it and competitive. Last night, he fouled out in twenty minutes, and just gave them next to nothing. Um, and Calderon is turning back into a pumpkin a little bit, which isn't that much of a surprise. I mean, he may have uh, one kick left in him, but, you know, he, the Cavs really need George Hill. And he just, you know, he fouls out in 20 minutes in a playoff game. So, you know, and LeBron's looking around like, you know, in again, in, in the sort of he sort of switched positions with Harden. It's like they ha- he had to work his absolute ass off to get him that win last night. And I mean, they won and even the series, but LeBron was melancholy um, mm-hmm. because he knows, I mean, I, I sort of termed it. It's not one, one, it's kind of like one and a half to a half because the Pacers, um, they were down three late in the game, a very telling final minute. Uh, they're the, the Cavs are, are up three with the ball and uh, they're trying to run a two man game with George Hill and LeBron, and but Boyan Bogdanovich is guarding LeBron. And I, you know he's actually been better defensively this year than I thought he was. Um, he's been he's been the only guy who's been able to do much against LeBron in this series. Uh, he absolutely athletic. Uh, just I I don't know. I, he for some That's reason that's a white I, joke. I know he's he's got good size, um, but. You know, uh, they started with Thaddeus Young on LeBron, and uh, LeBron scored the first 16 points. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, it might not have mattered. Two assists. They had 22 points. LeBron had 16 of them, and assists on two threes. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, and so, uh, but anyway, there's last minute. Um, George Hill's got the ball, and uh, LeBron's on the elbow, and I think it was supposed to be a screen roll, but like LeBron, I think it was just because he was exhausted. He couldn't get off of uh, Bogdanovich. Maybe. 
Bogdanovich was just doing a really good job, but like LeBron just was there. He just didn't do anything. So George Hill was like, all right, I guess I'll do it. And he, he ran over, um, I don't know if he ran over, but he committed an offensive foul to foul out. And that was when the Pacers got an app. They, the Cavs botched a pick and roll, which they do with the best of them. Nobody can botch a pick and roll defense. Like oh, the Cavs. boy. And uh, Oladipo had a clean look Oof. at a three-pointer, and he missed it. I couldn't and, believe you missed that one. Um, it, yeah, and like don't you think the pace gods should have punished the Cavs for that defense? And and at that point, I don't think the Cavs. To be honest, I don't think the Cavs win. I mean, Love was out, and um, Hill had fouled out, and LeBron and Corver. LeBron was in forty minutes, and Corver was at thirty-one. They were their only two guys who were playing well, and so you know they win, but. They win in a fashion that makes the Pacers feel even better about themselves than before the game. And so I look at the Cavs, and I and it was so amazing about this. They have the highest payroll in the league. Um, <laughs> but they don't have – they just don't have the supporting cast like they used to, man, and it's showing up. So – do we think the Danielle Marshall All-Stars, I mean, what, what's the, I mean, does this change the way we think about their ceiling in the Eastern Conference? I mean, I mean, here, here's the question, should they prevail? And I don't think that's a certainty. I mean, how do we like them against the Toronto, if that's the matchup? I, mean, I like them. I like them because if LeBron walks in that building, I don't think the Raptors believe they can win. I don't give a damn if he brings my third grade daughter's uh, team in there with him. If LeBron walks in that building healthy, I don't think the Raptors believe they can win. I don't think they I, believe they can beat him. I mean, look, maybe I'm 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 viewing the whole thing through the rose-colored glasses of two zero, but I, I, I it just there's a different vibe around the Raptors. There just entirely is. Like they're also just tougher. I mean, they're an inordinately more tough team than they used to be. And then they have that lovely combination of young guys who don't know better, <laughs> like like Delon Wright. Doesn't I, I don't I don't think kind of shares that frame of mind. I mean I, I you know I, I don't you know I I just I I think they're a definitively different team. I'm not saying they're gonna uh, you know they're they're gonna win it all, but I, I just think the old inferiority complex of the Toronto Raptors has expired. I, I think it, it only applies like, with LeBron. I think it only applies with LeBron at this point. The the thing about it is um, the Cavs have absolutely owned the Raptors at home. They've just had a stranglehold. I think they've won 10 of 11 or something like that um, against the Raptors at home. So I don't know. Maybe that would be a favor. But, I, Kevin, I, I'm not giving the Cavs the series at all. Um, uh, you know, the only reason I'm not, you know, outright saying I think the Pacers are a favorite at this point is that the Cavs role players have played so poorly. That by law of average, I think that, you know, Jordan Clarkson has got, even Jordan Clarkson, you can say a lot about him. The man can score. The man is a spark plug scorer. And yesterday, the last two games, he's given them nothing. And yesterday he was being guarded for a while by Miles Turner because the matchups that the Cavs are putting out there were challenging the, uh, the Pacers uh, matchups or challenging the players strategy with two bigs. And uh, Clarkson just didn't do anything. He had a slow guy on him who, you know, is can block shots, but there's no way he should be able to stay with Jordan Clarkson. And Clarkson just just sat out there and did nothing. So, like, I at some point here, the Cavs role players, I would assume, are going to start playing. Um, but 
if they don't, I don't, I don't think the Raptors conversation is even going to be relevant because I don't think they're getting past the Pacers. The uh, the only thing I wanted to say about this Cavs Pacers series or that specific game is <clears throat> it is mildly reminiscent to me the feel of it, the way it ended. Uh, I think it was two thousand nine when the Cavs played Magic and LeBron hit that three at the buzzer to give them game one. Brian, I want to say. <laughs> Uh, I actually brought this up on Scott Van Pelt last night. Yes, Andrew, it's it's a very similar feeling. Um, it was game, it was actually game two. The ball, Lewis gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes, LeBron James at the buzzer as the Cavaliers have pulled it out to tie the series and what a miraculous shot by James. LeBron had. Uh, he I, 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 he averaged something like 36 points, 8 rebounds, or 9 rebounds and 8 assists in that series. And that was in 2009, back when averaging 9 rebounds and 8 assists was a huge accomplishment. Um, and um, the, the, that Cavs team was loaded. That Cavs team won 66 games. I mean, they were not a championship team, and they would not have been a championship team. They would have lost to the Lakers had they gotten through that series. Um, they did not have the kind of top-end talent that the LeBron teams in Miami and then when he came back to Cleveland did. But that team was a really good team. Mo Williams, Delonte West, Ben Wallace, um, they they defended. They were great in close games, and LeBron hit the, what was the biggest shot of his career – uh, made a three at the buzzer to go from two down to one up to win game two. And the arena is just exploding. LeBron is running around the court in celebration. It was just an absolute amazing moment. And I remember thinking the Magic are going to win this series mm-hmm. Be- because uh, there were certain things that the that the Magic were doing that the Cavs couldn't stop. And um, uh, I, I'm not quite there Um with the Pacers, frankly, because the Pacers, you know, don't have a Dwight Howard, you mm-hmm. know, don't have a, you know, the, that Magic team was pretty good. Hito Turkoglu was Richard in Lewis. his prime. Yeah. Richard Lewis. Some have accused Hito Turkoglu and Richard Lewis of being more than in their prime <laughs> uh, in that series, considering both were later suspended for PEDs. But nonetheless, by the way, as a real quick aside here, um, there wasn't much. Uh, talked about this, but Jody Meeks was just busted for HGH. Uh, you know, he he denied it and everything like that. But um, you know, the league pretty much made it clear he was he had a, he was on HGH. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, you, Andrew, you, that's, he that's, probably ought to get a refund. <laughs> actually, not. He was having a good year, and he was kind of on the fringe of the NBA. Well, anyway, Jody Meeks got suspended for HGH, and like nobody talked about it, but. Um, uh, the, and uh, Turkoglu and Richard Lewis were later given PED suspensions, but not that year. So whatever. But um, that you know, that Magic team was better than this Pacers team. But your your comparison, which was heading back on heading on the road one one, even though that the the Cavs were the higher seed back then. In fact, they were the number one overall seed in the playoffs. Um, the Magic felt great about themselves, and I'm sure the Pacers. Uh, feel pretty good about themselves after last night. Hello, no one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone.
So Andrew, you and I have been talking about summer league recently. Uh oh. Is it really? Uh oh. Is it really that? Is, <laughs> is it really that time of year? Is it really that time of year? <sighs> um, we've been talking about Vegas recently, so I'm I'm appreciative that you're cloaking it under the guise of summer league. <laughs> well, now you've just screwed us. Um, <laughs> you know, we've been. It's kind of that time of the year where you start thinking about making plans for summer league, and uh, you know. Uh, you know, stories that we're going to work on. Absolutely, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about... We're, we're um, definitely not and, talking about casinos we're going to go to. We're definitely not talking about games we're going to play or restaurants we're going to eat at or the right. gallivanting around town that we're diligently planning on. Right. We're definitely not talking about sports books that we're going to maybe do um, shoots from because the the Supreme Court will finally ruled at some point about gambling. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're definitely not talking about poker strategies. We're definitely not talking about craps. Not at all. That's not happening. Never. Um, but we are doing some planning, and that's where we started to be talk about uh, the Hotel Tonight app because um, while Hotel Tonight is um, well known for being able to book a room um you know at the last second and getting great deals from hotels that they have uh they have uh contracts with uh and when and, and the cool thing about that is is that you can once you get an account you can book the, the room in just uh three taps and a swipe so if you just need to do it real quickly but hotel hotels tonight also you can book uh rooms up to 100 days in advance in the uh in the top destinations. Uh, and by the way, I think we're within a hundred days to Vegas, Andrew. So I mean, it might be time we to fire it up. Early. We would just have to go earlier then, right? There's, there's right. No <laughs> right. Um, and potentially stay later. Um, <laughs> because nothing goes over uh, better at home uh, after being on the road for two months with like the finals or the you know the playoffs and the draft and and free agency nothing goes over better than telling my wife hey you know summer league is here and it's time to go to vegas <laughs> but uh so uh so one of us better get on that hotels tonight app and um see what all the fuss is about whether it again whether it's a trip just a few months off or a last minute plan hotel tonight is where you go to score amazing hotel deals download the hotel app today Kevin, uh, what would you do? Like, like, what's going to happen with the Wizards? Do you think? You know, it's funny. I was talking about this yesterday. You know, they never get the Clipper treatment. They never get the. Do we break it up? Here are three max guys, and and the difference between you know, it's not three max guys, one of whom has been terrible, or one of whom hasn't justified his salary, right? Like, like by and large, taken in a vacuum, each one of those guys, and Beal's been not not terribly effective this series, but on par, like. Otto Porter's been a revelation. I mean, John Wall still John Wall went healthy. I mean, Bradley Beal, you know, carried that team when 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 Wall went down. 
Yet we never talk about, oh, this team has never advanced past the conference semifinals. They are a very high payroll also, they, team. Also, they don't seem to like each other. Not at all. <laughs> right. There's, there's – like, why don't we ever talk about the Wizards in the ilk of the, the 2013, 2017 Clippers? Like, why – at what point do we propose that, hey, it's not as if you can single out one guy? Cause, and the truth is you're not going to get value for it guys right like you try to trade john wall i mean what are you gonna get you try to i don't trade think you could Beal. i don't think you could trade john wall for value right now because of the knee issues and he's got yeah. the right. la- largest contract ever yeah and by the way I, I don't i don't know that you could trade him when he is healthy for value because it's impossible it's nearly impossible to get value for a max guy you end up taking <laughs> right. spare parts and you got to make the money work and, and the league is not i mean look for all the oh the clippers came out well i mean george was sort of a an interesting case, just in the sense that maybe teams are emboldened to think like, "Hey, let's find our Oladipo and our Sabonis." But, but the point I mean, you're you're absolutely right. In but the, by the way, Oladipo's we... been better than even the Pacers thought. I know that the Pacers are crowing like we're smarter than everybody. But if you ever got them on a lie detector, they they wish they could have done better with that trade. They right. have ended like karma has been on their side, and also Oladipo was like influenced by Westbrook, and he was getting in great shape and. You know, they didn't necessarily understand that. They, they Right. But this only bolsters my point, Brian. Yeah. Right? Like, like you know, and and for all the, um, you know, you know for, all the, for all the consternation over the Clippers and everything, like, at what point do we talk about this team and saying, hey, what is the definition of insanity? Is bringing back the same roster year after year and expecting a different outcome? And, yeah, and it's just like the Clippers, right? Oh, well, if Wall hadn't gotten hurt, they would have beaten Atlanta in 2015. They were poised. And, hey, kind of sounds a lot like, you know, this other team in the Western Conference. And, and I'm not prescribing it because I think breaking it up, I still think that, hey, often we, we deal in a situation where if you break, if you keep it together, there's only a 10% chance of success. But if you break it up, there might only be a 7% chance of success. Right. So, like, you know, but I, I, why aren't we having that conversation to the extent that we sit around talking about things like that? Do any of you any? guys know anything about hockey? No. No. All the goals are scored by accident. That's what I know. <laughs> That's so not mine, was, by the way. I was talking to someone. I know they don't have halftime shows. No, they have freaking two halftimes. What kind of sport has two half? <laughs> A sport that wants to sell beer. Um, so apparently it's been explained to me, um, and I know I don't even know how many people are on the ice at one point at a time. Um, but, uh, it's explained to me that, you know, Ted Leonsis, who owns the Capitals as well, who are losing to the Blue Jackets, which is an upset right now, uh, 2-1, uh, you know, he's had a couple of stars on that team. Alex Ovechkin is one of them, and I can't remember who the other one is, but it's kind of been the same thing. The Capitals, year after year, have kind of disappointed. Some, some years have been better in the postseason, I mean, the, uh, regular season than not, but they've kind of consistently disappointed in the postseason, and he's never been willing to trade those two stars. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just like he's held on to them because he knows how hard they are to get, and even though they've underachieved, and he's changed general managers, he's changed coaches, but he's held on to those two stars. I can't remember who the other guy is. And so this one person was telling me, hey, listen, don't expect – um, don't expect him to trade Beal or Wall because that's not who he is, you know. And not only that, Ted doesn't like to make changes. Ted, you know, Ted hangs on to things. That's been his mo as owner. So, um, but obviously, you look at this Wizards team getting the eighth seed, even with the Wall surgery. That's a pretty significant disappointment. And unless they get up off the canvas here, 
they could be a disappointment in this series, and I just don't know what's gonna what's gonna happen. But it's been great for the Raptors. I mean, you know, it's funny is that I remember three years ago, I think it was, I covered the same series. Um, Raptors, uh, Wizards in the first round it was four or five back then, and the Wizards swept the Raptors out, and uh, it was like, boy, you know, you, you, Beal and Wall were coming into their own, and uh, you know, Porter with Porter. Uh, sort of have or had a revelation as a small ball four at the end of that um, series. I think that was the year. Um, but anyway, uh, it was like, oh, the Wiz- here come the Wizards. And, you know, it was like, oh, the Raptors, Lowry and DeRozan getting stale. What are they going to do? They can't defend anybody. They don't deliver. And it was just like, what's going to happen? And now the shoe is completely on the other foot. It's exactly the reason why you do keep it together then, isn't it, Brian? Because... <laughs> We're looking at two teams that have completely flipped roles. The difference, I think, was that the that the Raptors back then had the advantage of salary cap space, and they had plus picks, so they were able to go out and sign Damari Carroll, for example. They were able to go draft uh, Pascal Siakam and and uh, uh, you know Jakob Pertl, and and then you know they had you know the extra first round picks to trade for Serge Ibaka. Uh, the they Wizards, get lucky and get a bamboo. Yeah, yeah, but you know, you know that uh, they were able to yeah. retrofit their team, but I don't know if the, the Wizards don't have cap space; they don't have plus picks. I mean, that, that therein lies the problem, right? Like, I, I think I think there is virtue to continuity, but 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 it, you know, management in Toronto did a very good job of reassembling the pieces, and, and they also just drafted exceptionally well. Um, you know, maybe exceptional, maybe one or two misses, but but I think they they have been very adept at the art of hey, we can take imperfect players and sort of figure out a formula that works. Um, and look, I'm I'm still I'm kind of with Andrew here. Like I, um, I, I still think the eagerness to blow it up to me, it's never blow it up or not blow it up. It's the the calculus is keep it together or do change it for this until you know what this right. is. Like, until you know what the alternative is, until you know, like, oh, okay, this, for argument's sake, what can we get for Beal? And if the answer is a pretty unsatisfactory package, like, I think you have to sort of, I, I mean, I, I, you know, but, but they're, they're, that, that spreadsheet is problematic for them because there is, as you say, Brian, there's not a lot of, oh, we can tinker here. It's a lot like the Clippers. Again, I mean, not to draw the parallel, like, too aggressively, but, but it, it does remind me a lot about that conversation. I mean, if now, they made Bradley Beal available, I mean, this is a guy with three years left on his contract. You would have multiple aggressive bids. Uh, I think, actually, ironically, you know, a team that would be interesting for Bradley Beal would be the Clippers. They have two. They have two lottery picks. Um, you know, they're in the need yeah. of, of a star. Um, but uh, but I agree, Kevin. I don't think you can get back. I'm not so sure you can do a deal that. You know, you know, you're you've you've got heavily investing. You've got heavily invested money in Wall and Porter. You know, or if you if Porter is the guy you may look to trade, for example, you got heavily invested money in your two all stars. You're not looking to like go draft guys and, and grow them up. You're looking for like guys who can help you get the two seed next year. You know, and that that's complex when you're trading an all star. So I don't know what they're going to do. Now, now, if we're talking about great backcourts. That there's been a lot of discussion about, okay, you know, do you continue with this with this duo or do you break it up? There has been that conversation in Portland. If this thing doesn't turn around remarkably after they got beat twice at home by the Pelicans, 
does that conversation kind of you know get fired up again? And is Damian Lillard's camp the one that gets that conversation fired up? Kevin, what, what's going to happen in Portland? I mean, um, so uh, yeah, Nurkic is a free agent. The, I mean, right. I mean, not to be the dog sitting in the thing with a cup of coffee with the house on fire here, but like, um, <laughs> everything like, is fine. Hey, well, no, no, no. Okay, so I was I was looking on on. I mean, you remember the game one performance where it was just like the, the shooting. Uh, like Andrew, the, Andrew, we should have a, a, a segment where Kevin just describes memes like in that exact way. <laughs> um, the thing where the right. guy looks so, back so, over his shoulder at the other girl, but not, not looking at his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> this is fine. I'm okay with the events that are unfolding currently. That's okay. Things are going to be okay. Um, I'm sorry, so, Kevin. Go ahead. All right. Of the 16 teams in the playoff, do you know which team's got the third best shot quality? Like, like, just has gotten exactly what it wants in the half court, like better even than their regular season? The Portland Trailblazers. So what you're like, saying like, is that you could see them coming back and winning game three and four on the road? Is that what you're I, saying? I actually, I actually could see that. And again, it, it, this is like only um, – only actually the Cavs and Houston. It's actually interesting given how those teams like didn't haven't performed offensively. But like Portland is actually getting a very good diet of shots. And I, I don't mean to be the analytics guy. Like clearly there's something wrong. If you're not hitting them, you're not hitting them. And there maybe there's something there. But like like I just I, so I Houston has got better quality shots even than that. Yeah. Wow, because they've been awful shooting. You know, they what, though they've gotten a lot at the rim though, Tim. They've gotten a ton yeah. at the rim. Well, like for every a lot of good threes. Oh, and by the way, this doesn't factor the actual conversion of the shots. This is just yeah, like yeah, if, I hear if on an average day, this shots, these are the shots that are available, how would the team do on an average day? Like, they've done very well. They actually, the Cavs are, are second. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I just think with Portland, I again, I mean, could you get value for CJ? I don't know. Like, I mean, that's a, that's a reasonable question to ask. I, I just think baby meet bathwater. Um and Nurkic, I think, is a more interesting question, guys, right? Like he uh, – but, but you know, he's actually grown as a defensive player this year. It was pretty damn good. Um, they actually had a, a, a pretty they, – they solved a problem that they've had for many years, which is how do we create a more sustainable defense? And the answer is they did. And I, I just would be reluctant. I mean, I, I know that's going to be a team targeted for a massive change. I, I just still generally like the core and – you know, far. You know, let's not forget. I mean, you know, a bunch prior to Damian's ankle, like they were just a. I mean, they were the fourth best you know team in basketball, and, and yeah. you know, what do we do about two home losses? I don't know the answer to that. Well, I wonder though if they are first round flame out, especially if it's a quick series. If if uh, you know Drew Holiday keeps dominating, and obviously AD's AD and Rondo's playoff Rondo, which is a bizarre. Miritich has been good, too. What I saw, Miritich, yeah. You know, Damian Lillard met with the owner, uh, which is a a pretty extreme measure, you know, given that owner's never really involved. I wonder if Damian Lillard... Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. Let's revise that. He's involved. Oh, he's involved. (laughs) In the league... In the league, this is the way it's um, this is the way it's set. Because uh, uh, Paul Allen's company is called Vulcan Incorporated, right? Or is uh-huh. it is it it's Vulcan something? Um, 
And, you know, Paul, I won't get too far into the weeds here, but Paul has some people working for him at Vulcan who, um, uh, you know, you know, obviously during the football season, he's heavily invested in the Seahawks and and, other times of the year, he's like off in Antarctica doing like environmental work on one of his 400 foot yachts. I don't know if he still has two 400 foot yachts, but at one time he had two 400 foot yachts. Um, but you know, so he, he's not in Portland all that often a lot. And so he has like conduits who monitor the team and Kevin, I'm sure can back this up. But, um, when 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 the when there's a, a disturbance in uh, the force, or maybe that's a, a mixing metaphors, but when there's a disturbance in Portland, and Paul Allen is displeased, the word goes throughout the NBA like this: uh, the Vulcans are getting active. The Vulcans uh-huh. are upset. The Vulcans, because so the Vulcans are uh, are very uh, very much mindful of what's going on there. Okay. So okay. Involved in the sense of he he does not sit face to face with players like that is a that is that's true I mean, that is so true. Dame pushed for that meeting because he was that he felt that need to, to establish that sense of urgency. If this thing flames out, what's the next step for Dame? Well, when he does sit in front of players, I don't think he's happy when it becomes public. I can tell. I do not think he was pleased with that. Um, Kevin, I, I, look, I I think there will be some considerable movement uh, in the roster in Portland. I don't know that it'll be one of those two guys. Like, I, mean, I, I think here, here's the good news for them. All right, they have some bad contracts in Turner. They also have some good contracts. I mean, Aminu's. Oh, Very I good. actually think I, I think he's essential to what they do. So I, I'd be I'd be reluctant to trade him just because I think. You know that that the quality of that defense. He's sort of their Tucker, not in terms of toughness and brawn, but in right. terms of just all-purposeness, right? Like that—that that was a big part of the story. When he's healthy, um, and generally is that the, their defense. But like Harkless is a Harkless is a guy who has many fans around the league, right? It's I like agree. Pretty I agree. damn good deal. You know, I mean, that's something you could do. You can aggregate assets. Um, you know, if the right piece came along. You know, who knows? You know, Zach Collins would be available, but I think you know he's an interesting young player. Right? Like they have guys on the roster that I think you could aggregate who run good deals and kind of get that piece. Particularly given the number of teams who'd be looking to add, you know, good upside guys at a low price. Uh, you know, might have talent out, but I, I just don't know that there's ever been a willingness to break up that backcourt. I know it's a popular opinion; those two guys can't win together. I, um, hey, Han and I have actually debated this in the past, but I, but I think. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't know there'll be major upheaval. I do think there will be a lot of movement on the periphery of that roster if they do lose this first game. But again, they can do that because they have, you know, they have a couple of, of nice quality contracts. Well, go, um, guys. okay, Kevin, thank you for joining us. Have a safe trip. Um, so I think one of the things about Portland, you can talk with nuance, but generally McCollum and Lillard play great and they win. McCollum and Lillard pay, play average. And it gets dicey. McCollum or Lillard play poorly, even for a half, and they can't. And that's just the reality of it. And so I don't know what's going to happen there. So, McMahon, you had a really good story that came out yesterday uh, on Spider Mitchell and his film study. 
and Spider had a phenomenal. I mean, he didn't shoot that well. He was a little bit inefficient, but he had some big time plays. Um, his first career playoff win. Uh, I don't know how much of that game you got to watch because you were covering your own playoff game last night. But uh, well, they got. I had to throw NBA TV on the, uh, the little monitor on press row, and I certainly saw the fourth corner cojones display from the kid. And by the way, that is something that has been consistent all season. This kid is absolutely fearless. And look, he couldn't. He couldn't hit. I think it was zero seven from three. Uh, you know, he he's got a little foot injury there, um, but man. You know, they're down. Uh, what OKC went on that big run in the third quarter, takes the lead. It's looking bad for the Jazz. And, and Donovan Mitchell basically said, nah, I'm going to take this game over. Uh, Russ, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, whatever, dude. I'm going to take this game over as a rookie playing his second playoff game. And, I mean, th- that's the thing. The, he can. It's so rare to see any player but especially a rookie who can just take games over and and score in bunches the way he does. There's only maybe, what, probably like 10 players in the league who can do that, and uh, he, he does it a lot. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to make any sweeping um, pronouncements after a couple of games, but last night, the game is in Oklahoma City. Uh, I believe the Jazz are behind at the start of the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh Coming down the stretch, Donovan Mitchell, there was one play. I don't remember how much time was on the clock. He hit this just awesome floater. He attacked from the right wing and just threw up this, you know, Stephen Adams was still in the game and he stepped up and he just threw up this beautifully finesse floater that went in, I think, that got them the lead. Um, But down the stretch, uh, I'm pretty sure Westbrook, George, and Carmelo were combined 0 of 14 in the fourth quarter. I think that's the number. And Mitchell making plays to, you know, there was, uh, you know, Rubio hit five threes. Rubio has become a real three-point threat. Um, you know, they had a, you know, Gobert was good. Of, uh, he's got Stephen Adams out of the game. Uh, there was a lot of positives going on with the Jazz. But um, for, for, for Donovan Mitchell, in his second playoff game, to, um, to win on the opposing team's court and outplay the opposing team's stars in the fourth quarter, I was duly impressed. No, I mean, he's at, look, there's nothing about this kid that uh, is rookie-esque at this point. Um, You know, from the way he carries himself, from his poise under pressure, you know, uh, from the, you know, the way that he, uh, the the reads he's making. I mean, I I sit in that, in that film session, the whole point was, uh, you know, the, the kind of the, the point of that story is this is one of the best developmental, like instant developmental success stories in NBA history. The Jazz didn't think Donovan Mitchell was going to be a go-to guy as a rookie, or, or they were hoping he could develop into like a you know second or third offensive option over time. But we're talking about a thirteenth overall pick who's the leading scorer on a forty-eight win team. That doesn't happen. It's it's never happened. Can I give a controversial opinion about this? Because everyone keeps on saying, like, oh, imagine how good the Jazz would have been if Gordon Hayward had stayed. And I don't think Donovan Mitchell develops like this then. Like, I don't think Quinn Snyder uh, continues to give him so much trust through the regular season. And now he's, like, leading his team to a 1-1 split in the playoffs. 
it's just like it's a different team entirely. It's still probably more similar to last year's Utah team than it is this one. And like Donovan Mitchell gives that gives them that dynamism, that one on one like offensive mm-hmm. threat that they didn't have last year. And so like you wouldn't see the type of player that Mitchell is now that if Hayward was still on the team. So like it's weird to say, but they're better off that Hayward left. So well, you're saying like this would be like a blog boy opinion, right? <laughs> blog blog boy opinion, Colin. Uh Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Donovan Mitchell benefit from, from Gordon Hayward not oh, wow. being there. Oh. <laughs> oh. Would that be that would that be a blog boy headline? There you go. I aggregate that. <laughs> um I'll tell you what And though, Terry Rozier. Who's been growing who? <laughs> I don't know who. I don't know who yeah, well, uh, yeah, is. yeah. That's a, that's an that was embarrassing. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go. I don't want to. Uh, go ahead. No, you know what though, Andrew the Han. I think you're on to something there. And I don't necessarily know that they're better off, but I do know that Donovan Mitchell's development has absolutely been uh, accelerated. You know, Dennis Mitchell or not Dennis Mitchell. I always do that. Dennis Lindsay, the the Jazz GM, the way he put it to me earlier in the year. Necessity is the mother of invention. They needed someone to fill that void and you know Rodney Hood was kind of the top internal candidate but then Donovan Mitchell just kind of took it and they kept throwing things at him and he just the kid learns he absorbs and he puts it right into play like you know a real simple example some a lot of those finishes last night you know they're they're one foot finishes in traffic that's something he didn't do in college that's something they started working on with him in, in the summer, and he puts it right into play. And they're like, whoa, we thought this was going to take a while to develop. And then, you know, it, it's not just the ability to do it, but it's understanding when. It's it's the reads. And, and the guy, it's he's gone from like a, you know, 101 level go-to guy type stuff to now he's, he's, he's you know, master. He's uh, getting A's and master's courses. But the fact they traded Rodney Hood, because Donovan Mitchell kind of made him, uh, you know, absolutely expendable and irrelevant, and, and they clearly they weren't going to pay him because Donovan Mitchell did everything they were hoping Rodney Hood might do, and much more. And again, that doesn't happen with Gordon so, Hayward. There. So I don't want to be, I don't want to make a lazy comparison because I, I don't like when people put guys in boxes. But the Dwayne Wade comparison has been has been there a lot yeah. with uh, with Mitchell, and going back to Wade's rookie year. Um, you know, the Heat were under 500 for the, f- I don't remember exactly. I don't have it in front of me, but they were under 500 yeah. for, for a couple of months. And they picked up speed and momentum in the second half of the season, made the playoffs, and Wade um, carried them into the second round of the playoffs. He just was phenomenal in the, in the, uh, in the postseason. Uh, then they traded for Shaq after, I think, yeah, it was after that that next summer, and then they sort of went to another gear. But um, Wade sort of had this same type of trajectory, um, even though Wade came in was a lot more heralded. Um, mm-hmm. But like, and just even seeing him last night, uh, there was even one time where he, as you mentioned, McMahon going and finishing in traffic, where he just went into a, a trove of bodies, the ball came out and somehow knocked around the glass and went in. And Donovan Mitchell crashed onto the ground, and I was like, "Remember yeah, that, that little commercial? left hand scoop?" Yeah, and I remember like that. You remember that commercial early in Dwayne's career yep. where he's you know get get knocked down seven, you know, knocked down seven times, get up eight. Like that was his persona, and um, 
you know, uh, Wade wasn't, the, I mean, <laughs> Mitchell's a better shooter outside now, I think, than Wade ever has been. I mean, they're not, right. the games aren't exactly similar, but I can see where the fingerprints are. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Mitchell, you know, he broke the record for rookie three-pointers made, but you're talking about uh, dynamically athletic shooting guards who, you know, can, can be the primary initiators uh, attacking off the dribble. fearless competitive and spirit. Absolute, yeah, absolutely fearless and embrace that responsibility of having the ball in their hands when the game's on the line and teammates have complete confidence in them. I'll, if, uh, if Mitchell adopts that like Wade defense, like Wade might be the best shot blocking shooting guard of all time. It's possible. Tom and- Haberstroh has done extensive research on this i i think he says wade's the best uh under guy under six six or under six eight shot blocker of all time so if jeru holiday's making a run though if mitch if mitchell approaches even like uh that kind of uh element to his game like that's that's a bona fide star you know and, and interestingly they thought that Mitchell this year when they drafted him at 13 and they at the time they're hoping to re-sign Hayward they thought Mitchell would as a rookie make an impact as a defensive minded energy guy mm. this year i mean that that was kind of you know long-armed athletic intense intangibles that's that's kind of what they thought he was and then develop over time into a guy who could be uh, a a good scorer so I got the, he, he definitely has that that ability to be an impact defensive player as well. I got this personnel guy who I know in the league who I talk to regularly, and he he's just so team Mitchell, <clears throat> and he's browbeating me every time Mitchell has a great game. He's like, "You made the wrong pick for uh, rookie of the year because I voted for Simmons," and I'm like, "Listen, Simmons is a freaking stud," yeah. and he's just like, <clears throat> "I mean, he's like nothing against Ben Simmons, but he goes, I'm going to horse whip you on this for the next decade," and. Um, Hey, uh, give me either one of them. Yeah, <laughs> really. I agree. I'm like, I was like, just because you voted for one doesn't mean you're putting the other down. Um, and I, before we go, I just want to pivot to that series real quick. Um, humongous game for the 76ers in game three, I think. Uh, yeah. Um, Embiid uh, doubtful. You know, I, I, I would expect that Embiid is not going to play. Mm-hmm. Um, the going on the road in Miami, Miami is going to have the momentum. Um, you know, the way the first two games have played out, basically you could, it's, it's more complex than this, but in one game, the Sixers were too hot from three point range and the other game, they were too cold. You know, they like one game shot 68%. And I think in game two, we're like six of 25 or something like that. And it's just like, you know, it's like, Oh, were they going to equalize and they'll be fine and maybe that'll be the case but going on the road um if they get down uh i don't know how their kids are going to handle the pressure i think it's a really important game for them and you know i i can certainly understand looking at everybody out there why people were penciling them right into the conference finals but i was like boy you got to be careful with a young team that you don't know how it's going to react to things and so i'm just you know hey McMahon. really excited about this one um, Yo. at game it, during game two, I was watching it with Brian and I was playing this game of how early could I call it? Oh my God. It was hilarious. How, how early in the game could I call a victory for either team? I think 
when did I end up doing it, Brian? I did it like with like six minutes left in the fourth. Well, let me just tell you that like my mantra in general is that that no NBA game is over because the games are so long and even even series. Well, and especially like, especially now with a three point shot, you know, as prevalent as it is, like the comebacks are ridiculous. Well, just one of my one of my credos is there's always time. There's always time and. In playoff series, there's always time in playoff games. There's always time in seasons. There's always time. It's it's insane how long NBA games are. Um, and so the concept that Andrew would call a game under almost any circumstances in the first quarter is laughable to me. But we were watching in a conference room at ESPN. Um, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I think the, I think the um, Sixers were up by nine. Oh, boy. And it was at the end of the first quarter, and they were in a two-for-one situation uh, where they potentially could have, like, scored, gotten a stop, and, and, and scored. And uh, Andrew, was, Andrew looked over at me, and he goes, I am so close to, to calling this game over right now. <laughs> and, and, then, and then Dwayne Wade checked in and said, well, nah, uh, let, me, let me just turn the clock back a little bit. Brian uh, acted accurately called the fourth quarter of, of that game as well. So um, kudos to him there. But this is the thing that I wanted to mention because of of my little foray into my disaster into predictions. Brian, I'm going to call this game. I'm calling game three for the Sixers. <laughs> I'm doing it before the game has even started. It's over. The Sixers will win that's game called, three. That's a prediction. That You're allowed to do that. It's, you know. I, will, I will predict that they'll shoot better than 19% from three-point range. Okay, that's – boy, both you, both you guys are out on that limb. Uh, I mean, the Sixers are heavily favored in this series. I mean, you'd expect them to win game three. I'm just saying, like, the first time that the, that the collars get tight, it gets a little interesting in the old NBA. And um, – you know, we'll see. And uh, I, look, that could have been. I really do think Dwayne is seriously thinking about retiring, and I don't think it's necessarily yeah. because he doesn't think he can do it anymore. Although he's clearly, you know, diminished, but he doesn't want to play anywhere besides Miami. Mm-hmm. And you look at Miami, and they've got like one point nine trillion dollars tied up in other shooting guards. Because, uh, you know, Tyler Johnson's a shooting – I mean, he's a combo guard, but he's really kind of a right. shooting guard. And Deion Waiters and, uh, you know, they play Josh Richardson at the three, but, you know, and he just signed an extension. He's really kind of more natural, too. I mean, he can defend threes. Um, and, you know, and Dwayne holds those guys back. And Dwayne was struggling to get playing time, you know, in the, you know, the last stages of the season, and that was without Waiters around. So – I think Dwayne's looking at it. He just doesn't know whether the Heat uh, really are going to be carving out a lot of time for him. He doesn't want to play anywhere else. I suppose something he could do is he could take the position that he just sits out for the first half of next season and and just waits and sees whether there's something opens up and you know maybe he could come and and try a last hurrah. You know, even if he has to relocate that way, he's only away from his kids and his family and. And Miami for a couple of months as opposed to a whole season. But, you know, Dwayne Wade is not the type of guy who needs to do that. The man has three rings. He doesn't have to chase a ring. You know, the man has a lot of money. He doesn't have to, you know, he's not trying to get one last contract. So this could be it. And, and well, especially you know, that, now that he's getting that, those HGTV dollars. 
<laughs> it was that was just a one-off, right? That's not a whole series. Right? Oh, give them give them time. Give okay, them time. right, right. Uh, I I missed that show, but you know, Gabrielle, you know, Gabby, as I call her, and I are really tight. Yeah. So I, I you know, she's very excited about that. Uh, that was the thing. Like Dwayne has this. Like I've talked to NBA players, and even amongst NBA players who live in a life where they roll between $15 million mansions and private jets and stuff like that. Even amongst NBA players, they say that Dwayne's house in Miami is baller. It's like baller amongst baller. (laughs) Right. Right. And like Dwayne, and I've actually uh, talked with Gabby about this. Like it took them like five years to get this. Like, obviously they weren't pounding the nails themselves, but like between like the design and doing and every getting everything done, it took them forever to get their house exactly the way they wanted. And apparently it's like the greatest. And then like the moment as the last, you know, pieces of uh, painter's tape were coming off the walls, uh, Dwayne signed in Chicago and like left it. Uh-huh. And so like, you know, he ended up, you know, living in Chicago, living in Cleveland. He was like barely ever there. Um, and so now that he's back down there living in his dream house and his, you know, his son is really good player and he's, you know, he's got his AAU stuff going on and is, you know, he's going to be, I think, I think he's going to be in high school next year. Um, or maybe he's already in high school, but he's missing these games. Like it's just, it's just not worth it to Dwayne anymore. Like even yeah. if there's like a great role for him available in, you know, LA next year, like let's say, you know, LeBron and Paul George go to LA and there's a great like backup shooting guard role for him and it would be LA and everything. I just don't, I just don't see him doing it. So that's just, you know, this could be the end, which means, you know, the game two might've been the last great Dwayne Wade game that we see. It, it could be. And if it is the last one, the Sixers probably going to win the series. Yeah. All right, McMahon, enjoy Minneapolis. Hey, I get to make a pit stop in Dallas tonight. Oh, good. Well, I got news for you. It's still freaking freezing in the upper Midwest. Um, I got hair on my chest. I'll be all right. <laughs> I got hair on my chest. I got, I'll be all right. Should be McMahon's uh, <laughs> slogan. Thank you, Andrew Hahn. Thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective. <laughs> <laughs>